I'm Emma Woodhouse. I'm a two-time NCAA All-American, former Division I downhill skier, and host of the Barriers to Breakthroughs podcast. Each week, I'll get to interview some amazing and strong female athletes to discuss important topics in women's sports and what goes on inside the brain of an athlete. Perfectionism, recovering from injury, and bullying are just some of the many things that can defeat your spirits and ruin your confidence to perform. I know what it's like to feel hopeless, not knowing why you're not performing the way you want, and to feel alone thinking that no one could relate to what you're going through. Well, I'm here to change that. I'll bring these topics and stories to light and show you that you are not alone and that you can overcome those barriers to breakthrough. Welcome back, friends, to another episode of the Barriers to Breakthroughs podcast. I'm your host, Emma Woodhouse, and today I am joined by Miranda Bacon. She's a former D1 swimmer from the University of New Hampshire, where she was a nine-time All-America East recipient, two-time inductee into the National College Athlete Honor Society, and she supported her team to three America East championships out of her four years. Today, Miranda talks about her mental health journey from noticing her mood shift in high school, being sexually assaulted during her spring break freshman year, as well as being diagnosed with depression, anxiety, and PTSD. She looks back on her experiences of having panic attacks, how she felt about her diagnosis, and what she was going through during those tough times. Miranda gives us a glimpse into her mind and everything she has learned along the way with taking care of her mental health. I can't wait for you to listen to Miranda's story. And before we get into this interview, if you are loving the podcast or this episode, please go leave a review over on Apple Podcasts and rate this podcast on Spotify. I would love to hear your thoughts on the podcast and what you resonated with most in these chats. It would help out the podcast so much and it would mean a lot to me. Thanks again for all of your support. Now, let's chat with Miranda. Hello. Welcome, Miranda. Hi. Thank you for having (laughs) me. No problem. How are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm so good. (laughs) I'm so excited for us to talk. And yeah, you know what? Let's just get right into it. I want to know when you started swimming as a kid. I started swimming, I think... I was really little. I would go to this like summer league with my cousins when I was growing up while my parents were at work. And I think I started swimming lessons when I was like three-ish, maybe a little bit, maybe three or four. And then I think when I was five, I started doing just like the summer league competitions, the meets and stuff. And so I technically started like racing at five, but the I joined my very first club team uh, when I was seven. And that's when I kind of started swimming all year round. So yeah, I was, I was little. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. So I'm just trying to understand. So summer league, would that be kind of like a house league soccer kind of like if I had to compare it to something? I think so. Yeah. It's yeah. It's just like um, outdoor pools over the summer. It's really chill, low key. There's like the sink. There was a synchronized swimming team that I did for like a year and there was like diving too, but the pool had like slides going into it. So it was really like a a chill, low key summer thing. Oh, that's so cute. (laughs) Yeah. And so when did you start to 
take competitive swimming like more seriously? And what did you really like about it? I don't know when I started taking it like more seriously. I don't think there was anything I didn't love about it. I was impossible to get out of the water, according to my family. And I think I just loved, I loved everything about it. Oh, that's so awesome. (laughs) I really want to get into your mental health journey. Tell us when you noticed that things really changed in you and how that really affected your swimming and in your life. So I was a like a really happy kid. My childhood was good. I was lucky that way. I had, yeah, a really happy, good childhood. And I think swimming was going great. And the eighth grade was, I think, when I did, I had a like fantastic year swimming wise at 13, 14, like peak, peak age range. And I did really well. And I ended up qualifying for the junior nationals meet. And um, that was really exciting. I think. I still hold one of those records from that meet that I was at and it was overall really exciting. And then I went to high school and things started to change a lot. I went through a lot in high school, but I think the biggest thing that I noticed was I just had this like complete attitude, like change this whole, I was just angry. And I, looking back, I can see, I can see this attitude change that people were talking about when you know, in the moment, maybe I wasn't really aware. I was like, I don't know what you're talking about, but I had, that was kind of like life. It kind of definitely changed my attitude, but swimming wise, I was not improving really anymore. And I ended up going to that junior nationals meet and just swimming absolutely terribly. One of my worst meets of my life. (laughs) And for like the majority of high school, I just, I did not do anything spectacular anymore or just like even I don't think I went any best times for the rest of high school in the big events that I like loved competing and stuff so that was just always hard and I definitely like felt the plateau and I was angry at like life and I think that was visible on in life and that's in swimming were people telling you you had an attitude or did you just like you felt that shift internally and just, or I guess maybe looking back at it now, like you now know, like you had an attitude. <laughs> I don't think anyone was like, Oh my gosh, you have such a bad attitude. I think <laughs> my, my swim coach at the time was sometimes saying that, but I think looking back is where I can be like, yeah, I, I had a bad attitude, but I don't think anyone was like, you have a bad attitude. Going into your freshman year at UNH. Yeah. Just tell me about that experience for you like when you go into college like everything new is happening at that point and so like were you really excited to go like were you still excited about swimming or were you just kind of like this is a lot (laughs) how are you feeling I think I was feeling um, like so many different things but I think partially I was really excited because I was like get me out of this little town that I'm in I wanted to be done with it, but I think also just being nervous for the first time leaving home like that. And then also I remember being really nervous that I was like, oh my God, I'm going to be on this team and I'm not going to be good enough. And I'm going to, you know, like, I'm not going to be able to, they're going to like, not want me to come back. And 
just being like really nervous about not not feeling like I belonged on the team at all. And yeah, I remember those were the big things that I was nervous about. But I think I adjusted pretty well to college overall and coming into a team that was like a pretty different environment was challenging sometimes with just, you know, being not used to such a hierarchy with the upperclassmen versus lower classmen, underclassmen. But yeah, I, like I made some good friends and I think that that part was adjusted pretty well to that, I would say. Yeah. And I can totally imagine you like not feeling really great about swimming throughout high school and then having that self-doubt going yeah. in. Like I can totally understand that. <laughs> Yeah, I wasn't even sure if I wanted to really swim in college when I was in high school. I was, it kind of felt like something you're just like, oh yeah, you know, everyone who swims in high school swims in college. Like, it just kind of felt like the next like logical step that I was supposed to do. But I also was kind of like, I don't really know if I want to anymore. But my, one of my guidance counselors gave me this piece of advice and she was like, you know, I, I recommend trying it for a year. And if you don't like it, you can quit and you can at least say you tried. And I think that that was something that kind of also stuck with me. But I also think deep down, I was, there was no way I was going to college without swimming. So yeah, ended up being a really good choice and just yeah. <laughs> sticking with I, it. Yeah. Ended up working out. <laughs> yeah. You were talking about earlier about your mental health feeling like the negative attitude. Like, how did that? translate into your first couple years of college? I think from my perspective, when I went to college and I think I left my previous environment, I think I think my attitude changed. I think I was just partially a scared freshman. So I was like trying to be this like good egg and follow all the rules. And I think my attitude for the most part changed. I I don't remember, I don't recall having any real internal issues for that like first part of freshman year I don't really remember having the same like feelings that I was in high school I think that change in environment and that change just in my life and a new place new people I think was really helpful and beneficial for the point I was at I guess yeah you're talking about that environment so what what was that high school environment like compared to the college environment? My high school was just really small. Everybody knew everybody. And we've been going to school together all together since the sixth grade. You know, I didn't have the best friends at the time. And I thought they were good friends. And, you know, it ended up not being that way. And so I think going off to college in this new environment with these new people on this new team and was exciting and scary, but also exciting. And it was like kind of like a, a clean slate across the board. And that was exciting to, to have. I remember being like looking forward to that part. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Into your sophomore year, how are you feeling, feeling like, cause I find like freshman year, it's always like you're the newbie, like there's not really any like expectations. So then going into your sophomore year, like how, how is that transition for you? Yeah, I guess it was kind of interesting. Um, the end of my freshman year was uh, challenging. I 
ended up getting mono right before our conference meet. So that was like challenging because I, it was, I think I was out two weeks, two or three weeks before a conference meet because I couldn't swim. And that was like hard. Cause I was like, I'd been doing so well all year. So I was kind of, I guess I was kind of just like so close to the end, like why, but, and I ended up doing okay at our conference meet. I was really looking forward to the break between conference. And then once we would start swimming again for postseason because I was a tired girl. Yeah. So that was looking forward to that. And then I think we started swimming right after spring break. And um, when I went home for spring break, I was sexually assaulted while I was home. And, you know, that was challenging to figure out and navigate. It's a pretty intense trauma. And I think that definitely changed how I went about life going forward. And for the remainder of, you know, freshman year, I kind of, I didn't really tell anyone. I think I told one of my teammates at the time and she was nice enough to be able to help me find like a counseling outlet. She walked me down to like Sharp or I don't remember the counseling. Was it PAX? I think the counseling center at school. And I'm really grateful that she was there to help with that. But yeah, that definitely changed some things going forward. I'm glad that you were able to tell someone about it because at the time, like when that happened, like, did anyone know about it? Yeah, there was other people there. I was asleep and unfortunately this happened. And once I got myself out of this situation, I immediately went to some friends that were there and, you know, they knew that something had happened and it was very much they weren't believing what I was telling them. And that was really difficult because I was in a complete, like I was in a completely inconsolable state and, you know, just having the people that I thought were my best friends at the time kind of just be like, Oh no, they didn't know what they were doing or, Oh no, there's no way they were drunk. Like, come on, you're, you're not, you're not being truthful here. And, I think that that was super frustrating because I obviously that's just super frustrating and invalidating. And yeah, I think that that at first kind of definitely hindered me from telling anybody else because I was like, well, what if they don't believe me too? And that was hard. But I think that my teammate who I ended up did, I ended up sharing this with was always supportive friend and all around. So I felt, uh, I felt very comfortable sharing with her and I knew that she had also been dealing with mental health things and was pretty open about her issues and struggles. So I felt very comfortable sharing with her and it ended up being a good choice. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's just so awful that when you confide in your friends and then they just basically tell you that, yeah, your feelings are wrong. Like that didn't happen. Like almost like gaslighting. Like they, they're like, no, that yeah. didn't happen. Yeah. Ugh. I want to say, sorry, but it like, I also know that you've 
you've grown so much from this. And yeah, I'm really glad that you found a friend that really supported you. And then how did that going into your sophomore year after that happening, like what, what was that like? And did that trauma really linger into years after? Yeah, I think it definitely did. I went home for the summer and like threw myself into, um, I had a job at McDonald's at the time and I would swim nine times a week and then work all the other time, all the other hours I wasn't swimming. And I just kept myself really busy. And I don't know if that was subconsciously or just what I had to do. I went back to school in the fall. And I think that that's when things started to, I think, outwardly change. And that's, I started having a lot of panic attacks. And, you know, that was scary, because I had never really had panic attacks before. And they started happening all the time and out of nowhere. And I remember just like one time someone asked me a sim- like a simple question, like what time we were supposed to go somewhere. I remember this just this weird example because it felt so out of nowhere. And we were, someone asked me what time or something. And I just like had this huge panic attack and definitely something big, a big change. I definitely noticed a lot more anxiety going into sophomore year and throughout sophomore year. Yeah. And do you remember any other situations that would really trigger a panic attack? I'm not sure what would trigger it, but yeah, that just one example of someone asking me what time you're supposed to go somewhere or something. But I know I did, I hosted a lot of people that year. I was like incredibly involved with the recruiting process that year with like hosting people every weekend. We had recruits and I think that was exhausting. So sometimes I think being exhausted and having already this just underlying anxiety would kind of push me further and kind of feeling some pressure from there. And yeah, I can't remember really any other situations that specific ones, but I think just sometimes after recruits would leave, I would just feel incredibly overwhelmed and other things. I think I would like sometimes cry in the shower and yeah, I can't remember any other specific examples, I guess. So when these panic attacks started happening, I guess I'm wondering, like, were people seeing these panic attacks or were you really keeping them to yourselves? Like, or I guess how did you seek help after you were starting to have these panic attacks? I think it was kind of mixed. Sometimes I would get really anxious and overwhelmed by myself. Other times you know, that another example, I don't really remember the conversation or situation that triggered it, but it was at the end of practice at the outdoor pool. And that was like, something happened. I don't even remember, but I just had this like huge panic attack and that was in front of people. And I remember two of my good friends at the time were talking, we're like, what's going on? Like, we've noticed you're not doing well. And like, like we're worried about you. We're here to help you. And I think that was, they ended up getting me like a, let's eat ramen and get drunk, like huge sign to like make me feel better. Cause I was always eating 
ramen. That was like my personality trait. And so, yeah, I think that they were super helpful. And my roommate, my sophomore year was also super helpful. And I ended up, uh, my coach at the time also kind of noticed the panic attacks and, you know, I couldn't really talk to him much about everything because he's a mandated reporter, but, you know, he was aware through like unspoken subtext and conversations that I would had to, I was dealing with some trauma and, you know, he was him and some of my teammates were, you know, suggesting at the time that I go back to see someone and it's not, you know, something to be ashamed of. And yeah, I ended up going back to the PAX counseling center at university for soft for I think all of sophomore year. I went like once a week. Yeah. And so what made you when you're saying like you didn't want him to report you? What were you thinking about, like, if he were to report you, like, what that would mean about you? It was more of the fact that he would have to report that I was sexually assaulted and it would have to open up an investigation and, you know, Title IX stuff, I think. And it was less about what that would mean, what that would look like for me. And it was more about, I didn't want to even open that can of worms. It it didn't happen at school and it just didn't feel like something I wanted to bring into my UNH space. It didn't feel it would just be more of a hassle at that point, I think, to have that whole situation happen in New Hampshire when that's not even where the trauma took place. So I think that was my big thing. I was like, we can subtext talk about this, but I don't want to be in a position where and I don't want to put him in a position where he's like, okay, yeah, no, like we've, I know too much now and I have to do something about this. So I think that, yeah, it was less about what it, it was going to make me look like and more of, I didn't even want to open that door for all of that to start, I guess. Yeah. You wanted to leave that behind and be like, this is who I am at school now. Yeah. Yeah. Now going into your like last two years, like how did your panic attacks end up getting worse or how, yeah, I guess, how did you handle that going forward? You know, I think they kind of became less frequent throughout sophomore year. I think that the PAX person at the time um, really helped me with managing my day-to-day anxiety. And I think that you know, she introduced me to the like one, two, three, four, five grounding technique, or I don't know. I've ever, it's like the, it's like five things. I don't know the order, but it's, I forget. It's like five things you can like touch, like four things you can hear. Like it basically engages all your senses to bring you back down. So that was helpful and just kind of listening to my anxiety and being like, okay, is there something I can do about this? Is this, oh my gosh, I have a huge test that I need to study for and I can do something about it. Or is this a bunch of anxious thoughts that I can't do anything about? And so like, like kind of navigating my thoughts and splitting them into those two sections and going from there. And I think that was also really helpful as well, because I had never really opened up about anxiety so I think 
that was really helpful. But but I think overall, even though sophomore year I started having panic attacks and I think my mental health started changing a little bit. I sophomore year was really fun. I don't really remember it not being fun besides my mental health things, but sophomore year was overall a really fun one. I have like I think the team was really close that year and just fun and I think yeah I had really close friends in all of the years. I felt like I have really good friends in all of the years of the team. And I think, yeah, it was a really fun one. But going into my upperclassmen years, the summer between sophomore and junior year, I lived in New Hampshire for the summer. And I remember feeling super adult because I was like in my apartment by myself and I had my I had a car for the summer and I was like working and I felt super adult and grown up but I think that's when things also started to change I was staying in bed a lot more and I was crying a lot more and I think that's where things things started to change a little bit more Yeah and why do you think you were what was going on there I don't know why I was crying more. I think I just would get, I was really easily overwhelmed. And I think I was just teetering this like line and I was really easily pushed over it. And I think that that kind of changed things as well. I was definitely like way more sensitive and I don't know. I don't think it was anything specific. Just, I was super sensitive. Yeah. Going into that year, and you're feeling this way, feeling more overwhelmed, like, did you have to get more help with that or? Yeah. So throughout my sophomore year, when I was seeing the lady or not the lady, that's not the correct term, the counselor, the PAC center, you know, she was really instrumental in helping me with my anxiety, but she was super forward about the fact that they don't really deal with trauma and how you know, she would help me find somebody who was off campus to help me deal with that. And so at the end of my sophomore year, I had found a counselor who was off campus ready to deal with trauma. And so throughout the summer, I kind of started seeing her a little bit, but it was like I had an established relationship with her by the time my junior year started. And I think that that's when the terms anxiety and depression started popping up a lot more and that was kind of part of the conversation a lot and yeah so that was I guess diagnosed at that time and I don't really remember specifics around those diagnoses or like when they happened but that was a big part of junior year I was also seeing her I think it was around our like mid-season invite of our June my junior year I had this most intense, powerful panic attack that I had ever had in my life. I don't know if I've even ever had a panic attack like that to this day. It was intense, this like out of body situation. And I had called my mom and I was just like hysterical on the phone and my roommates at the time 
heard me and like came to my door of our apartment and were like, are you okay? Like what's going on? And I couldn't even get a word out, but I was like, I'm still going to practice. And that was just absolutely not going to happen. And my roommates were kind enough to drive me to my therapist's office that day. And then they went on their way to practice. And that was when the diagnosis of um, PTSD came. And that was a pretty interesting, interesting experience, you know, kind of hearing my therapist talk about trauma in a different way. I think we were kind of dancing around it for some time. But having her talk about even if your brain doesn't really remember or if you've blocked it out, your body always remembers everything you've ever been through and like what you experienced, you know, your body will never forget. And so when it's reminded or triggered or put in a situation where your body feels like it's going through the same thing, it's this fight or flight response and this overwhelming anxiety to try to get you to like a safe, safe space. And that's, you know, that's kind of what you're experiencing right now. And I think, yeah, that was my first experience with trauma living in the body. And that was, yeah, it was, it was scary. I think that was one of the the scariest, these, I think it was not one of, I think it was the scariest panic attack I ever had, but I was lucky to be have the roommates that I had at the time, they were super helpful and I was in a really safe space. So that, yeah, I think it was the best scenario for how that could have gone. Yeah. Thank God that they were in the apartment and that they were able to help you. When the therapist diagnosed you with depression, um, PTSD, anxiety, what was your first initial thought? I think the anxiety one wasn't really much of a shock. I think it was kind of like, makes sense. I think the depression one, when she kind of started to talk a little bit more about depression, I was like, because I always thought it was people who are really sad. I didn't, you know, and I didn't understand some of the other, you know, this change in energy, change in mood, you know, even the crying a lot was crying a lot more easily was, you know, something she mentioned as well. And so, and then that's when things I was like, okay, like that, yeah, that kind of clicks and makes sense for me. And I wasn't really taken aback by it. And I wasn't, I don't remember being super surprised by it, but I think the, the PTSD one was, you know, I, I kind of, I still kind of feel a little bit weird about that one and I think just because I'd never heard of it outside of a military context you know you that's the only time I've ever heard that be part of a conversation so I was just like how there's no way like I didn't go to war I wasn't you know suffering for years you know at this I just didn't understand how I could have developed PTSD when I just I didn't understand And, you know, it's definitely part of my mental health journey and stuff that I've kind of neglected a little that, that, and I don't know much about PTSD because I kind of, I kind of, in some ways reject it 
but in some ways I'm like, there are some things that, you know, fit. So I just, it's kind of a, I teeter the line with that one and how I feel about it just because, yeah, I just don't, I feel like sometimes I invalidate my own trauma in a way where it's like, I, I didn't experience anything bad enough for PTSD, which is obviously not the case. You know, people can experience trauma and it can, you know, it can develop into PTSD and, you know, it's different for each person. That totally makes sense because, oh yeah, for me, I definitely view PTSD. Like I think of military, like they are veterans now and they're struggling with their past. So I can totally see how you would just think, no, I don't fit into that box. That's not me. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like a a lot of people also as well, don't think like, oh, I'm not struggling enough for me to have that like title. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely wild how much we can diminish our own experiences. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. Oh my gosh. It's so hard not to do that. Cause you think like, well, someone's got it worse than me. Like, why am I complaining about it? And as, and right. it's, but it's like, not, it's totally it's, different. <laughs> like yeah, it's, it's you. Such a, it's such a like toxic mindset that just, you know, totally unrelated. I saw this tweet on Twitter the other day and it was like w- one day when someone was quoting, they were like, somebody has it worse than you be grateful. And someone like quoted that tweet and was like, one day you all are going to realize that this is not good advice. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> Be grateful you're struggling less than someone. Oh, that's right. awful. I, don't, <laughs> I think, yeah, I just, yeah, I think everyone has perfectly valid struggles. And regardless of the position that you are in society or in life, you know, everyone has things that happen behind closed doors. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. That was just like, like, wow. Okay. Yeah. After getting the help, going to the therapist, were you then put on medication from there? How did that go afterwards? Medication became a conversation. And at the end of the fall semester, that's when things I was, I was feeling pretty low and the end of that semester was a challenging one, you know, I went, I was going through a lot individually and then some things were changing with just my friend group and that was really really hard and so when we came back in January and you know we went on our training trip but when we got back I was just I had never like felt more alone and more isolated which was weird because I would see all these people who I love and I was I still love and I was surrounded by them at all times because winter training is like you're practically attached at the hip with these people, but I just, I felt so alone and I snapped. And so I went to, I just had this like another pretty intense, powerful panic attack. And I'm grateful that for whatever reason, I decided to call my therapist instead of go back to my apartment. And, you know, I ended up in my therapist's office and not in, you know, I wasn't alone. And I think that that was, you know, looking back, I'm grateful that for whatever reason, I decided to pick up the phone. And one of my roommates at the time was kind enough to take me to the hospital where 
I was told that I was going to be evaluated for medication, which was the goal of the past, like from December to January to get me evaluated for a medication or because um, my therapist was a psychologist, so she couldn't prescribe any medication. So I was told that the journey to the hospital was going to be a evaluation for medication. And that's not really what happened. And I was put on like a watch in the ER for a while. And then I was transported to a, a, I'm trying to use the correct term. I think it would be a psychiatric facility. I'm not sure. I don't want to use an inappropriate term, but yeah. So I think that was what, I think that's what you would call it. I was transported there and that's when the kind of, I met with the psychiatrist there and there, you know, the conversation of medication came around and it was, you know, ultimately decided that I would do that through the UNH, like health and wellness, like psychiatrist or whatever, because they, that's where I'd be picking up the prescription and it just made more sense to have it go through there. Okay. Wow. One. So you, yeah, you go to the hospital, you're probably expecting like, okay, this is going to be quick. Like they're just going to I'm yeah. gonna just answer some questions and then they ended up keeping you. So I should have known, I should have known, like looking back, <laughs> I think I should have known that there was going to, there was more to the, there was a catch <laughs> there, that there was going to be a catch. I should have known. And yeah. And like looking back, I don't think I would have let anyone in my state. No, I definitely wouldn't have let anyone in my state, like leave the building but you know the the social workers and all of the staff at the um, hospital were like yeah we can't let you go so it was a not a journey I was expecting for myself yeah and then how did it play out with swimming like did you have to miss a lot of practices because you were going through this yeah that specific time when I was in the hospital and the um, mental health facility, I missed, I think, two or three practices. And I remember while I was in there, it was very close to our conference time. And I was like, I need to get out of here. We have conference. I cannot be the one that like makes us lose. Like we can potentially win this year. And like, if I'm here for a week, like I, like I'm going to get so out of shape and I'm going to not swim well. And I'm, and, and then I'm going to, I'm going to be the reason that like we lose and I can't, I can't do that. And I can't, oh my gosh. And I remember just having those thoughts like through my head the whole time and being super overwhelmed and nervous by that because I I just didn't want to let the team down. Yeah. I think I missed two or three practices at that time, but throughout junior year kind of backtracking, I think I, I missed a couple practices, you know, throughout the year and I, cause I'd be having these like panic attacks. They kind of, they started up again throughout junior year and I would just be in this completely inconsolable state and I'd be in my therapist's office or I'd be in the training room with one of the trainers and I'd just be like down and out, like not able to catch a breath or stop crying or like stop shaking. Like it was just very intense. And so when I would have to miss these practices, like these adults, like would not be letting me would not, would be, yeah, no, not today. Or just, yeah, would pretty much be 
the decision maker on that point and just be like, you know, you're not going today. And yeah, I can see how you would think like you'd start like creating like worst case scenarios when you're like in such a state where you like can't do anything about it. And then you're just like, okay, yeah, I'm the reason that we're going to, we're going to lose if like I I stay here. Yeah. I, I, which you know, I don't think was going to be the case. We ended up doing, we ended up doing really, everyone swam really well that year. (laughs) And like we won by a very large number of points that year. So I don't think my three events would have really damaged the, the scoring system. But for some reason I, I took, I took all of that pressure on my shoulders and yeah, yeah, (laughs) that was running through my mind. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Going into your last year at UNH, when you finally did get the medication, like, how was that for you finishing your years, like your last year's competitive swimming? So kind of just like backtracking a little bit. So that February of the conference meet doing, you know, really well and ending on, you know, that great meet and that win and, you know, doing those best times that I had was really exciting. But then going into that postseason time, that like weird in between of those four weeks where it's post-conference and you're not swimming and you're just kind of waiting till like spring break. And then you start swimming again when you come back. I think my mental health really continued to plummet during that time from the just abrupt and sudden like lack of routine that was during those, like during that time, you know, after the um, like, main season. And, you know, I think that continued to foster a lot more of the loneliness that I was feeling and, um, without, you know, having something keeping me busy and having something that was an escape for that just two hours each day made things, you know, really, really difficult. And I think that professionally, I wasn't getting the help that I really needed. my therapist and the people who were prescribing the medication at the time were had one idea in their head of what I needed or their like plan versus the people in the field house in the training room and what they felt I needed. And there was just a lot of disconnect between those two and kind of being pulled in different directions. And I think at the end of the day, from that aspect, I just wasn't really getting the help that I needed. And I think because of that, I leaned really heavily on my friends in that time. And I think I put way too much pressure on some of my friends. And I think that that definitely affected some of my relationships and some of, you know, I think if I could go back and change one thing, I think that would be, I think that would be it. But, you know, I think I put a lot of pressures on a lot of pressure on my friends And while also still kind of denying that I needed any help and, you know, going this like back and forth in my own brain and stuff, I think it kind of all spilled over. And I'm so grateful that I had friends who were willing to pick up the phone and who like fully stuck by me during that time. And I'm just, yeah, I'm just so grateful that I have them. 
I had them at the time and, you know, I can still turn to those people, you know, if I ever really needed to. And I was, yeah, I'm just, you know, I'm like so grateful that people were there for me because that was like a really tough time. And I think some of the stuff I'm still grappling with too. And so junior year was obviously the March 2020 of COVID time. And I had been taking my medication kind of inconsistently at that point. And because I was like, I don't really know if I want to do this, whatever. But when, you know, everyone got sent home, I was home, I was home and I was taking it um, consistently every day up to that point. And, you know, when I went back to school for senior year, I kind of just stopped taking it and I did not take it at all for my entire senior year. And I've just recently started back up on it the past like three weeks. I kind of, I got a new doctor, new like primary care doctor, I think is what they're called and started kind of doing that and kind of trying to take that part a little bit more seriously again. And yeah, but swimming wise, I think, oh my gosh. Um, yeah, everything changed with the COVID time and obviously we're still going. The world, we're still going. <laughs> I'm in quarantine right now. Um, so things are things are definitely crazy. And at the time things were crazy with just so much unknown. And I think, you know, there was talks of are we even going to have a like a season going into senior year? And personally, I, I just didn't care. I was like, I am fine with that. I did very well junior year, had finally gone some best times that I hadn't gone since like my sophomore year of high school. So I was like, I'm good to end my career there. I am fine. That was, you know, we won. That was really exciting. My class was one of the few that's won at that time was one of the few that won twice in their four years. That was exciting. So we were just like, I was personally just like, I'm good. And I remember kind of reaching out to some people who had graduated and done four years and just being like, is, is it even, is doing four years even worth it? And, you know, I got mixed responses. And I think that, yeah, I was definitely, I definitely wasn't sure. But when we went back for senior year, the pool wasn't filled, which I was very much okay with. And we would run three times a week. And I think we were also lifting two or three times a week at that point too. And, you know, so we were still working out and I was still, there's still the potential that it could be filled, but I was not looking forward to that day when the pool was going to be filled. And, but I was like, I was having fun. I was like making, you know, I made some great relationships with different people on the team that, you know, I wasn't necessarily that close with before. And then all of a sudden I got really close with these people and, you know, I got to make good relationships with the freshman class. They're now sophomores, but yeah, I make good relationships with them. And I think I was just, I was just like having fun. And I was I was like, this is what college life is like without sports. Cause I would work out for an hour, three times a week and then be done. And it was like a very different experience. And then when the pool, you know, was filled, I remember, you know, having kind of a little bit of a mental breakdown. Cause I was just like, I, I don't know 
I don't know. I don't know if I can, if I can do it. And it wasn't filled till like, excuse me, sorry, uh, January. So it was going to be the spring semester, which, you know, traditionally is the like spring fun senior spring and that, you know, was changing too. And yeah, I guess, yeah, that was a lot of anxiety around that starting up again. I guess like you ended up did swimming. So like when you got back into it, like, was it, were you like, oh, okay, yeah, this is why I love it. Or how, how was that feeling? Or were you like, oh no, I'll just finish it off. <laughs> uh, I think by the time, because by the time we got back in, it was like mid January and I had not touched water, had not swam since February. So it'd been like 11 months <laughs> since I had touched water. I, wow. Oh yeah. I had, I had opportunities. I had opportunities. Like I think uh, my club team started swimming and the July, August, 2020 time, I think they started swimming again. And, you know, I could have swam for the like winter break part when I was home, but I just was like, no, and I, I didn't. And so by the time we got back in, I had been out for 11 months and a couple other people in my class were in the same situation. And cause we were all kind of on the same page of like, is this one going to be worth it for us? And, but when I got back in, I remember that first practice and I was like, what is my body doing? It was so weird. I, I remember going for like a streamline and just being like, what is my body doing? And not really. Yeah. I didn't forget how to swim, but like my body was just like, what is this you're doing right now? <laughs> and yeah, but I think the first couple weeks of January and, you know, even into February was like really, it got, you know, the conversation kind of started when, before we got in the pool with, you know, we know you've all been out. We know you've all had like from the coaches, like we know you've all had like different like opportunities to like get in the water. Like some of you've had more than others. And we all understand that it's been like a crazy time to then have it kind of feel like it switched really fast and everything ramped up really quickly. And all of a sudden these really like what felt like high expectations were put on us like pretty quickly after getting into the water. So it was kind of just like, what is happening? And I just remember crying in the Dunkin' drive-thru on the phone to my mom after like a practice one day. Cause I was like, I don't know if I can do this. And I definitely um, debated, you know, even more, I went back and forth with, you know, if I wanted to continue or keep going and, you know, ultimately like I talked with my parents a bunch and ultimately I decided to stay. And I think it took a while for it to like click for me, but, you know, I think all of a sudden I was just like, I'm kind of doing well at practice. Like I'm kind of, I should be drowning, but like I'm making intervals and, you know, my, my head coach at the time actually like stopped me like during like warm down and said something. And he was like, you're kind of actually like doing okay right now. And like, you seem like you're doing better. So like, I'm happy that to like see you're smiling and like, you're, you're also like not drowning. So he was kind of like shocked too. And I was like, I have no idea where this is coming from. And so I think once we had our first meet 
um, in February things I was like, and I did, I did well. And I was like, what? I remember kind of just like being really shocked and like calling my parents on the phone and then being like, what? And I just having no idea where any of it was coming from. And I think I'm not even sure we had a date for conference at that point, but I think that's when I was kind of like, okay, we're going to like, we had, we had it like once we had one meet under like our belt, I was like, okay, we're probably going to have another meet. Like we're not, you know, there's going to be meets in the future. And I think that was like my, one of my biggest worries going into senior season. Like, are we even going to have any meets? Cause I'm not getting back in and doing it for them to like cancel all of our meets and, or, you know, have us not be able to travel anywhere. And I'm not going to just practice to practice. And I think, you know, having that first meet was like, I think that changed my outlook on the situation. And, and then the senior meet came around and that was like a wild experience within itself. Cause it was just like, Oh my God, like this is going to end. And the, you know, underclassmen made this like really like special video because our parents couldn't be at any of our meets. They made this like really special video with like our parents and, you know, siblings. And it was just, I remember just like taking a step back. Like I went, I think I like excused myself and like went to the bathroom, like separate from like everyone. And I was just like, oh, like, oof. Like, okay, like this is, I just like, I remember that was my first time kind of feeling emotional about it ending. And yeah, so overall, I'm I'm like, so I think I'm so grateful that I decided to stick it out because the, my whole senior season, even though that like January, February time was like sad and depressing and like winter and you know, just so much unknown stuff. I think that the like end of the season, those like last that like senior meet and like one other meet that we had and then conference of course was just like, so like made it all worth it times a million. So yeah. No, I'm, I'm so glad that you got the ending that you wanted. Like it was just such a nice ending and that video. That's so sweet of them to, cause Cause those take a, a lot of time to like edit. And so the amount of effort, like that's so nice that they did that for you. Yeah. I just basically think that, um, they like DM their siblings on Instagram and like, <laughs> hi, can you, can you like do this for us? And like tell your parents. And it was like so unexpected. And I think it was nice because something that me and my class were kind of upset about throughout the time was just, you know, especially at conference, like our parents not being able to be there and, you know, having our parents be really involved in our swimming our whole life and then have them not be able to be at any of our big last meets was like hard for my parents and like hard for me. And yeah, but even there was like cutouts of our parents at our senior meet too, that one of the parents, one of the sophomore's parents made it was like yeah so they everyone everyone made that day a really special one so oh that's so sweet and so just looking back on your whole journey 
like specifically your mental health journey, I really want to know what are you most proud of yourself for doing like during those tough moments? I think, you know, like just like not giving up and I think continuing to go back to therapy and, you know, there was a lot of times where I think maybe the match wasn't the best. And I think that was always challenging, but I kind of never, I never let it really totally make me discount therapy, even though, you know, my senior year, I wasn't really seeing anyone. I never really let it be like anti, anti therapy or anything. And I think there was times where I could have, and even if, you know, the match with my therapist wasn't always the best. Um, I think I always continued to go back to therapy and try it again and try it with a new person. And I think that that is something, yeah, I would say that I'm proud of myself for. Yeah. Never giving up. I, oh, that's like everyone. So it's so, so cliche, cliche, but like, it's so relevant to yeah everything. Like it's, so cliche, but it's just so it's classic. It's classic. It's classic. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So last question. I would just love to hear if you have any advice for any athletes out there who have maybe thought about therapy or are just not feeling right. And they don't really know what to do next. What would, what advice would you give them? Yeah, I think the best the best thing that you could do is reach out to someone that makes you feel safe, whether that's a friend or a coach or a parent or sibling or anything, somebody that you can, you know, that you have a relationship with enough to know that you can trust. And I think, you know, sharing that with somebody and lightens the load. It feels like, you know, it lightens the load a little bit and I think that having somebody else in your corner is always helpful and they can, you know, sometimes give you the courage or the tools or resources can help you find those resources that you are looking for. But I think, yeah, I think the first step is reaching out and talking to somebody and, you know, navigating you know, things from there. And I think as, you know, a lot of, I think a lot of universities have like um, mental health resources. And even if you just start with those resources, I think that's, you know, that's the step in the right direction and they can help you navigate other, you know, resources as well if you're looking for something more. And I think, yeah, just like baby steps in the direction, there's no step that is too small. Yeah. Great advice. I just want to say thank you so much for coming on and just sharing your story so open and honest. And yeah, I just really appreciate everything you've said today. Thank you for having me. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to the Barriers to Breakthroughs podcast. If you love this episode or want to support the podcast, please click on that subscribe button and leave a rating and review. I would be forever grateful. You can also follow and connect with me on Instagram at Barriers to Breakthroughs Podcast and on my website at emmawoodhouse.ca. Thanks again for tuning in and keep on breaking those barriers to your inevitable breakthrough.